0: Black Equity listeners, welcome to another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast. You know we are bringing you our last installment of the Black Future Month series, where we have dived into several different topics that are forward-thinking and making us look towards the future of our culture. And uh, in the past, we've talked about AI, we've talked about the uh, wealth racial gap, We've also talked about uh, how to acquire, and on today's episode, we want to talk about building a global brand and having the audacity to build a global brand. And so on today's show, uh, we have the digital content creator, blogger, and media maven, Marie Denae. Marie Denae is the creator of the digital platform, the curvy fashionista, and it is an established and respected voice in the plus-size fashion arena. With over 11 years of experience, Marie has made her mission to continuously show women that they can be curvy, confident, and chic. So without further ado, I'm DJ Moultrie of the Black Equity Network, and welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. black equity listeners thank you for tuning in to another great episode of the black equity podcast i'm excited about this conversation because today we're going to speak with someone who's built a brand uh and has made a name for herself globally and so i'm excited to have marie danae on the line marie are you there
1: i am i am
0: welcome to the black equity podcast
1: thank you so much for having me
0: you're very welcome. So for those who don't know who you are, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company.
1: Yeah, so um, I run and own a plus-size digital platform, the Kirby Fashionista. We just recently turned 11 years old last December.
0: Congratulations.
1: And- <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So we, um, you know, the whole purpose of the Kirby Fashionista was to provide resource, education, to help with confidence empowerment through clothing because you know sometimes many times we kind of find our own value through what we wear and so with that um that's where the curvy fashionista started i had no idea that 11 years later this platform would be where it has grown to today Mm -hmm. and so from there we from there we have just continually kind of stretched ourselves to see how far we can grow.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So 11 years. There there has to be a lot during those 11 years that you learned. Let me ask this. Was this your first venture? Did you have a previous business that you launched? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Actually, so this is the only thing that I launched. I lost my job. Friday the thirteenth of two thousand nine. Friday thirteenth, okay. March two thousand nine. And um I had immediately look up what the number thirteen meant. Thirteen meant change, because I was like, okay, I'm not about to speak that negativity of Friday the thirteenth over me. Right, right. right. <laughs> so was like yes to change. And then from there, um, I actually have just kept going. It's easy to give up, but in this space, like I honestly kept going. I feel, I have felt that I found my purpose or I'm finding my purpose in this. And so while it has um, given me the the place and the platform to play around with different projects, the Curvy Fashionista is my, my first in Maine. Awesome, awesome. Oh, wait. Go ahead. Oh, wait, I lost. Okay. I lost.
0: Okay,
1: um <laughs> So when I started, I initially wanted to open up a boutique. Okay. And so I did the com back in the day. Okay. And com was an online store that lasted maybe four or five months maybe um I quickly had to close shop especially as the curvy fashionista was growing so in this space I was only one woman I realized very quickly I wasn't Mm superwoman, and with that I closed this little online boutique I had and I went full steam ahead with the curvy fashionista you
0: know that's interesting you know I've always you know, had that debate where people say, well, should you start with you know, a brand first or should your name be the brand? In your situation, it sounds like having a brand outside of yourself is more beneficial for your overall path. Am I understanding that correctly? Are you still there?
1: Denae? It is a, give me... Like future opportunities to do whatever, like let's say five years from now, I sell the Curvy Fashionista. Right. I still have my name.
0: Exactly. That's my own brand. I agree. I agree. So, so during these eleven years, what would you say has been some of the takeaways so far, as far as mm-hmm. what has brought you? Uh, success uh, in a way what, what what would you say stood out uh, that you could pass down to someone who's maybe just getting started in their own venture
1: well I have to first say know and learn your why know it own it breathe it because on this path you're gonna be what do you call it deterred discouraged um, you may feel like you can easily kind of fall into the comparison trap. You can easily be um, challenged with kind of finding your way. But when you hold on to your why—why why you started or what um, purpose you're serving—that is what's going to help you in kind of keeping keeping to go on, keep moving forward, and. I think that is what's helped me. I've had to check myself and realize, okay, girl, like you're building something. You're kind of on your own path. So things aren't going to look the same for you, you know? And so, you know, being able to come back to my why has allowed for me to ask myself with any project, with any initiative, with anything that we start, how does this come back? How does this benefit? That's one thing i would say which also leads me to um taking leaps of faith like being an entrepreneur is inherently risky like you will always be wondering what if what if if you never do anything and you can't have those big rewards without those big risks that's just the way life is you know we understand gambling <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know you You put in a $5 bill and you hit max bet, you know, you can either lose it all or you can either win big, like, and so with those, like, for me, my uh, risk taking was really about faith. So for me, being a woman of faith, like, that is how I was able to take these leaps. I'm like, I don't know what we're doing, but we're going to
0: go. Right, right. (laughs) And it's, it's paying off. Thank you. Thank you. And, And so you talk about, you know, knowing your why. Let me ask this. Why was it important to create this space for those that we call plus size? And what is plus size for those who don't, you know, understand that terminology?
1: Yeah. So plus size is anything 14 and up, right? Okay. So anything size 14 and plus. And a lot of the reason why I come from a retail and marketing background and I realized like early on how much we place our worth in the access to clothes and that we have or don't have. And so with that, like I knew that I wanted to show like hey, these options do exist. These brands do exist. These people, you need to know these people who are making it happen. For me like that was really important because I felt like If you knew you can make more confident and educated choices where you don't have to default to, oh, I don't have anything to wear because quite often, I mean, you can go to almost any mall and be lucky if you find one store in almost a whole place that can actually carry and cater to plus sizes. Right. And so like, what does that tell someone? What message is that sending? So I felt like if I could do a lot of the legwork and the research and find and provide a home of these resources, that this would be able to help encourage and empower women to know like you do have options, you do have choices, you do have resources to help you feel and express and to help you express who you are and how you feel.
0: So you saw a great need in this space. Why do you think no one was uh, feeling that need before you came along?
1: there were there were some okay. I mean we had our mode magazine, you had plus model magazine um you had but everything was like very spread apart because if you think about where the internet was like eleven years ago, it was still very kind of hello, is anyone
2: there right. like
1: you it was still very sparse, right? right, trying to find resources you didn't even know where to begin I mean, Google wasn't Google today, Facebook wasn't even open to the public Twitter. Right wasn't even, I think Twitter just came on, just came out. Um, Let's see. uh, I think we probably were still using our um, MySpace pages like 11 Mm -hmm. years ago. You know, like the climate, the online, the online community, this online space really helped usher in um, and give voice and, and validity to the plus size community
0: definitely i i I can see what you're saying so really you were a pioneer in this space or still are a pioneer in this space and you've created this entire you know brand and avenue uh for you know plus size women who you know needed to have a, a place to go to for resources how did you know exactly what resources to provide and and how to give them exactly what they needed. Was there extensive research that went into that?
1: Well, for me, like, I'm a nerd. Like, I've been a nerd. I've always marched to my own beat. And then I always knew that what was missing from what was out there was, like, a lot of the contemporary fashion-forward options, right? So... I knew that that's what I wanted to focus on. I didn't want to focus on the pricing of stuff. I wanted to focus on the access and the, and the, and the availability. I knew that, um, you know, I wanted to kind of position myself where I'm, you know, feeding the reader where she didn't even know she was being fed. She's like, Oh, I learned this. I learned that. So for me, it was just, it's been a, uh, how do I say like a, a passion and it gives me excitement to be able to provide knowledge and resources, like serving the community. So it's really about not even about me. And because I'd worked in retail um for about like twelve years before I even started the Kirby Fashionista, I knew um, and I worked in sales management, like all these fun things. But for me, where I really came alive is like in the dressing rooms with these women. I'm showing them, I'm, sh- you know, that's, I took that passion that I had there and I transferred it to the written word, right? I transferred it to my blog so I can bring in that same passion and excitement and be able to reach further.
0: So you was really already kind of, you know, doing this before you even launched the brand this just made it yours and it was something that you could own, and then you can kind of mold and shape it to how you solve Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's important because a, a lot of people are always trying to figure out, well, what's my purpose and what should I do? A lot of times you're already kind of doing it. You just may be doing right. it at a quote unquote lower level. And as you move up these levels, uh, you're still doing the same thing just on on a, on a grander space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important to what you just said, you know, when people are asking what's their purpose and that they're already doing it, it's very important to not get swayed by what people are presenting online mm-hmm. to help make your decision and your purpose. Because I, you know, oftentimes I'll talk to folks and they're like, Oh, well, I want to be, um, I want my own collection and I, I'm started because they've seen what someone else has done. Right. And doesn't mean you cannot do it, but you have to understand what your purpose is and the why. If your why is because someone else has done it, like you're going to be frustrated right. real quick.
2: Right. Like you
1: know, when you think about the things that bring you joy, that make you happy, like the things that you feel, you know, that you feel a calling to, or that you find yourself too afraid to do. Like those are the things that 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 are you know indicative of your of your of your purpose and your passion.
0: So let's talk about that. What were some (laughs) of the things, you know, I got to jump right in. What were some of the things that you were afraid of that you ended up conquering?
1: You know, I think I'm constantly conquering. Um, I'm constantly
0: afraid. But for me, I have
1: a, I realized that, you know, early on, it was bigger than me. This is bigger than me. So in this process, I've, you know, kind of faced a lot of fears. Like even right now, like my word of the year for myself is audacity. or or audacious for me to be bold to be courageous to show up for myself because it's easy as I've created this platform to hide behind my platform to promote others to to lift up others rather than like you know standing tall in myself in that right Mm -hmm. and so you know I've made it a mission to um reach out to folks to do podcasts hey boo (laughs) <laughs> I have, um, you know, whether it's like someone asked to do an interview, let's, let's do it, you know, to be proactive in promote in promotions with myself. Right. So that folks understand like the purpose and the reasoning of this, of the platform we've created. Um, I think as you grow, like, you know, you'll encounter different fears, whether it's speaking, some people have a fear of speaking, then you have the fear of success. You really realize who the hell you are. In this entrepreneur space, like when your back's against the wall, when you're like, oh, my God, I only have ramen noodles. Right. Oh, my God, where's money gonna come from. This invoice ain't getting paid. I got folks and bills to pay. Right. Like, you really understand who you are and what you're really made out of when you kind of go through these
0: things. You know, you mentioned something earlier. You said that when you launched uh, the Marie Denae website, you're on your own. But with Curvy Fashionista, you weren't on your own. Can you touch on that a little
2: bit more? Well, Did actually,
1: you? yeah. I've actually been on my own like with the Curvy Fashionista platform.
2: Okay.
1: Um, up until just like more officially last year. Oh. Okay. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was busting my behind, dude. <laughs> I was writing two to three posts a day. I would spend all my weekends cranking out content. I didn't really go anywhere. I sacrificed. I gave I don't suggest that y'all do that. Because okay. then you work out real quick, <laughs> and then, you know, you kind of create bad habits, mm-hmm. and those are hard to break. So in <laughs> in this, like, I, sh- you know, I do wish that I would have um, built a team or infrastructure in the brand a lot sooner, right? You know, especially with the, when you think about scaling, when you think about the business um, side of blogging, like, I didn't, I was just going and growing very organically, I was just like, okay, we're doing this. And, oh, this is happening. Not so much sitting around and being like, I want to accomplish this. This is the strategy. This is the intent. This is the, you know, I didn't have all of those things. Okay. You know, I didn't even realize what an infrastructure looks like for what I'm creating. Like, it's not a magazine, but it's not, it's bigger than a regular blog. Like, what am I creating? How do I, what does an infrastructure look like? Boy. That was challenging as hell. So, like, in this space of growth and as you're kind of leveling up with yourself, like, you have to ask, you know, do research. Ask yourself these hard questions. I mean, I had a whole expo that I had a whole production team for.
2: Mm. And I
1: think it wasn't until, like, the third year of the expo. I'm like, girl, you got a whole damn expo production team. But you ain't got that for the Curvy Fashionista.
2: And I was like,
1: (laughs) like, mind blown. I'm like, duh. Like, no wonder why I'm over here feeling like I'm drowning. Because I don't right. have any infrastructure here on the Kirby Fashionista.
0: So <laughs> when you brought that infrastructure over, how much did that change things?
1: So we're currently like, you know, so last year, you know, we changed how we approach brands, how we um, approach content. And so it was a little awkward, you know, growing pains. like kind of you figure like, oh, this works. This doesn't work. This works. OK, this does work. And you learned. We learned how to, you know, kind of operate. But now this year already, like, for me, it's like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Being able to delegate, being able to um, be challenged by new folks you bring on your team who have, like, years of experience. They're like, Marie, where's X, Y, and Z? I'm like, oh, girl, I don't know. Let me go <laughs> right. find it. I know right. I have it.
0: <laughs> but that's good to have. I think a lot of people are afraid of someone who's going to ask questions and kind of call your bluff but sometimes that, that's what you need
1: right and in this space i mean when you look at like over the past 10 years how social media has birthed so many different entrepreneurs in so many different spaces when you have the decline of the economy that you know we're no longer trusting in, in corporations to really care for us right like we've seen people lose jobs or them jobs ain't loyal right so you don't right. have like a the 20 year pension, the 20 year whatever, like that doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, we've come up in this space where like, you know, I remember when I started doing this and my mom was like, what the hell are you doing? My mom's like ex-military, she's in her second career, like, you know, she's like, you just got finished your MBA in marketing. Why are you sitting at home playing on Facebook? I'm like, mom, I'm not playing on Facebook. You play games and you follow the brands. I am actually working so that you can enjoy the brands and the games you play on Facebook. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, that's exactly like, right. Yep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, <clears throat> our parents were, you know, get a job, join the military or get married, yeah. right? But that was, you know, and so here we are like having the audacity and the balls to like just go out there and be like, I'm going to create what I want. I'm going to change things up. I mean, you know, the amount of women entrepreneurs now in this space, of black women
2: entrepreneurs in this
1: space, is like staggering in terms of the growth and a lot of our first generation entrepreneurs were accidental entrepreneurs were situational Mm -hmm. (laughs) entrepreneurs like you know it's something that you're like Mm -hmm. oh oh i can do this you know something goes viral and like they you know shoot into fame and it's like oh my gosh you know you have all of these situations well then it's like okay you know i have to go back to like my education and, and like okay i know this I just need to slow down and kind of just
0: walk this through. Right. (laughs) Now, when your mom, when you told your mom that as far as, hey, I'm the one that's, you know, designing those things so you can actually use them. What was her reaction to that? Or or what what have been people's reactions that come from a different time, a different generation when they find out that you're doing that?
1: I think what clicked for her and my grandmother was like seeing it offline. You know, coming to an event that I am a part of or I have had my hands mm-hmm. in, Right. and they were able to see it differently, right? You know, our parents' generation and the generation before weren't going to so going to the internet. Like, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but I remember when AOL was introduced in um, on CD ROMs, mm-hmm. right? I was there for that. Yes, yeah, so like you know, we are a very specific generation where we kind of grew up adapting. Where our parents were like, what the hell is this? I mean, now it's different. You know, now most of them have adapted. Like, my grandmother's, like, totally, like, savvy and stuff. So, like, but it took a minute. Whereas, like, for us, we grew up with that introduction. And so, you know, they understood once I had, you know, I had to practice or how to say it different ways in order for them to get that buy-in.
0: Mm. You know, I always find it interesting, uh, you know, hearing that, hearing entrepreneurial stories explaining hey this is what entrepreneurship is because like you said for many of us this is our first time having those conversations and so I I just Mm -hmm. find it very interesting just to hear everybody's perspective of the challenges some people's families were supportive some people's families said how dare you and it was like (laughs) a a major sin to be an entrepreneur or an investor so it's always interesting to hear that side
1: yeah and it's it's even more so like What I have found now is like the generation after me, after us, like they have grown up with like the idea that you can be whatever entrepreneur, like you can create your own. And it's mind blowing. You know, I actually have like a mentor, she's younger than me. And like she's like, like two of them, they're both like these business owners who are just like, like, I'm like, wow, like for them to have that freedom of thought. Right, that freedom
2: mm-hmm.
1: of of not feeling like they have to follow any traditional, like what's traditional now, right? Like that doesn't even that traditional is now old school,
2: <laughs> right? So you know, you know, they
1: grow up without that. That you know, I'm the oldest grandchild. I'm the first girl, oldest grandchild. I remember when I turned thirty, and my grandmother was like, "Well, did you ever imagine being thirty and not being married?" I was like, "Oh no, Nana, you don't get to say that. You have me focusing on my MBA, not my MRS."
2: Right. So, right.
1: Like you know, I pushed back like immediately because like my mom used to raise me and with a little joke like, "How old are you going to be when you get married?" Thirty-one. <laughs> so interestingly enough I was five when I was saying that right Mm -hmm. and so interestingly enough like marriage and relationships like those were you know back burner things like so and then my mom was in the military for like 23 years so you know she was in the navy so like it was education 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 it was you know so they inevitably like raised me to be the way that exactly that I am they just weren't ready for it like it looked way different they were like oh
2: Oh yeah. okay, this, this is
1: what <laughs> right? Right. And so in this in this journey, like you know my you know every event that I have, like my family comes all the way out from California to come support and be on my team. Like, you know, I've had to give my Nana like a couple of different roles because she'll turn into church mother and gr- guard <laughs> the door. Like, you know, I'm like Nana, why don't you come over here?
2: Right. Right. And,
1: you know, You know, so it's like they're extremely passionate, extremely supportive of everything that we have, that that I've created and that we have. And so, you know, I'm very fortunate in that. I'm extremely fortunate in that. And I recognize that.
0: Do you think the younger generation that now is living uh, as if entrepreneurship is the norm, which it should be, do you think they recognize that? Uh, us older millennials or maybe younger, whatever the next uh, thing is called Zennials.
1: We're Zennials, right? right? We're we're in that middle. And- we mm-hmm.
0: broke down the barriers of Oh, go ahead.
1: No, no, I didn't say anything. Go ahead. You said oh, we broke down the you broke down we, the barriers. We
0: broke down the barriers of what I call thought, you know, of this uh, ideology war of hey, we can start our own thing instead of having to work for someone else. Do you think the younger generation even realizes what we what we did or it's just you know it's kind of lost they're just walking into this thing thinking this is how it always was
1: um nothing is ever absolute in that Mm -hmm. so i find that i have surrounded myself and i have continually kind of i'm continually expanding myself to surround myself with additional entrepreneurs so the younger one Versus like the older one, both bring value on both sides, whether it be innovation or experience, right? Because you kind of have to take from both in regard, in order to kind of continue to thrive and grow. Right. And so for me, I, I meant always in awe of the um, freedom and the innovation and the ideas. And the, I mean, think about like, look what happened when Vine, you know, when Black, young vine, Viners were like taking over the platform and look at like where, you know, black Twitter and look at, you know, when we look at how the innovation has spawned and created additional platforms, I think where the best challenges is or the opportunities is really tapping into the older entrepreneurs who are still in business because there's that savviness. So I think what needs to happen is just the the continual kind of, conversations and the fostering of um giving that feedback because a lot of us are still like i don't know what the hell i'm doing
0: right (laughs) a lot i don't think anybody knows what they're doing but they know they want to do it
1: right right right
0: you know everybody's making it up as they go which is that's life we're creating reality (laughs) all at once
1: Right. And, you know, it's like I've I found one of my neighbors
0: downstairs and she
1: used to be, you know, she had her own insurance company. And so, you know, she's older. I want to say she's like in her mid 60s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so she'll like want to come up and talk business. And she's really excited. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes. Come on up. Right, Teach right. me. girl. Because, you know, there's you know, they've had those years of success. Right. And they've gone through those ups and downs. Like, what can you share with me, girl?
2: Right.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> so you pick up a lot of wisdom right. from those conversations.
1: I try. Yeah. Because one thing I, know, I do know is that I don't know everything.
2: Right. It's and if I have, have the opportunity,
1: Right. And if I have the opportunity to listen to somebody, tell their story or give advice, I mean, advice is always going to be, you know, something you could take or leave and you could take bits and pieces of it. So, you know, if someone, if you, you know, and then I think too, there's, I think, what social media has done. Um, a little idea just popped up.
2: Okay. What social see, media do it. has
1: done is, is, is has given this idea of overnight success, or it has sped up the perception of work, and it has sped up the perception of um paying your dues, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting how. There's it's constantly moving around. But I think one adage that still remains true is that it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Okay, And I think in that. You have some people, some bloggers that I've talked to, they started their blog six months ago and they're mad because they're not getting sponsored opportunities. I'm like, honey, what's your content game look like? Like, what does your audience look like? Like, have you hit? What kind of metrics are you playing with? Like, do your readers trust you? Do
2: your readers know you? Do you even have readers? Mm-hmm.
1: And so, there's a perception like, oh my gosh, I only have X amount of Instagram followers, and you know these brands only want numbers. I'm like, girl, duh, they gotta pay money. Like, they're gonna pay money to they. They need a return. What kind of return can you give? This is a business, not just for you, but for the person on the other side Mm -hmm. who's cutting that check. They have expectations as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, like I do these blogger masterminds and I'm constantly, you know, sharing, like you have to lay your own foundation. That's content. That's consistency. That's, um, you know, building that relationship with your audience. That's engagement. Those are the things you should be establishing and working on first. Regardless, you know, like however you show up, you need to.
0: Something, like you can't,
1: just throw, you can't just throw something up and if you build it, they will come.
0: Right. You <laughs> just mentioned something that's key though is do they trust you? How important mm-hmm. was gaining the trust of your audience and as you're, you know, consulting with other bloggers, uh, how important is it to get that, that trust factor
1: I mean, for me, it's everything because, you know, imagine, you know, when we see someone getting called out on social or we see some news breaking about something that's happened that's bad, you know, I mean, think about like some of the the celebrities that they've done something wrong and how quick cancel we've canceled them. Mm -hmm. They're like, no matter what they do, they have that over their head and we have, we don't give them grace, right? And so it's like, well, how can they even come back from that even though they've tried to show up? to improve upon that it's still they're still reduced back to like what happened 15 years ago or 10 years ago in the space that they've actually you know put in work to improve i i caveat that's a special caveat right like if someone like i think there's some you know makeup vloggers that have like made missteps or whatever and They've tried to improve, but people keep bringing up, you know, so it's, it's, when you talk about trust, like once it's damaged, it's really hard to rebuild regardless of what you do. Like you really have to work on that. So that has to be, you know, trust, integrity has to be at the forefront of whatever you do. Now you can't control folks misunderstanding you. You can't control folks like creating their own perception of you, but you can control what you put out. And if you know that you're operating with integrity, operating with kindness, operating with um, good intent, like that's what's going to matter because that's what's going to be consistent.
0: I agree. And that's that's a lot of wisdom that you're dropping on us. Um, <laughs> it really is. Where, where has your brand taken you so far, like uh, globally, as far as readership or just, you know, you doing an event? Where are some places that you've gone that you never thought you would be?
1: Oh, my gosh. So I went to Italy.
0: Okay. Tell Um, me about it. it.
1: Right. So I think it was 2012-ish, which is really hilarious that I can't remember the the year, but whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked with a brand, uh, Marina Rinaldi, who is Max Mara's plus a sister brand. Hmm. And it was myself and... I think nine other bloggers or 10 other bloggers, and we did this campaign called Women Are Back. And we did, uh, it was during Fashion Week. Um, it was, I cried, cause I was like, I felt so blessed. Like I did a photo shoot and I was in Mary Claire, it- Italia, like I, um, we had this event where they revealed revealed our headshots, these really amazing headshots. I was like, oh my gosh, That's this dope. is amazing. And, um, you know, for me, I've had, you know, I, I'm from California. I currently live in Atlanta. I've gone to events and worked with brands in Canada. Um, I've worked with brands in Australia. I haven't been there yet, but I'm trying to get there. Um, <laughs> I want to go to back. I grew up in Japan, so I want to go back to Japan
2: mm-hmm. and
1: work. Um, I mean, there's, uh, like it's really interesting and very humbling just thinking about like the different amazing opportunities that have kind of transpired by having this platform. I've worked with Chevy and the launch of their Chevy cruise back in 2011. Like, you know, I've had, um, I've won awards. Like, you know, I was the route 100 in 2017. Like Beyonce was on that list too. Like, (laughs) like what, you know, so, you know, I've been recognized amongst my peers in the plus space. So it's just a very, you know, exciting path because I would have never, ever, ever thought like this is what I would be doing. Like I really thought I was going to be somebody's like retail executive. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I've learned that when man plans, God laughs. So, you know, I know I'm exactly where I need to be and why I
0: need to be. Now, I don't know if you've already done this, but a lot of these retail stores should really hire you as a consultant. Uh have, right. have you so been reaching out or
1: I've started doing some consulting with some brands and this is something that I actually um will be pushing and leveraging even more. Okay. Um as I start to really build on the Marie Danae brand, um especially as like there's so many different things that happen and I'm like, "Yo, why did you do this?" Right why like y'all need to talk to me holla like and and um for me it's really about kind of building that uh building that uh platform for myself hence the audacity being audacious doing more speaking doing more being more visible right um in order for me to be able to leverage that to actually you know for a brand to be like oh we need to talk to her right holler
0: right no definitely i i can see these brands really uh leveraging your expertise because a lot of them they don't know about this space at all so at they're all. so they're going to need <laughs> someone who has a proven track record uh to bring in and say what the heck do we do
1: right 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 and then on the
0: <laughs> on the other side uh there's You know, people who uh, may not necessarily be interested in a plus size, but they may need to understand, well, how do we get our our content game up? How do we get our branding game up? And so that's another skill set that you've you've acquired over time to be an expert in.
1: Right, right. And so, like, right now, my main focus is being able to um, share this information that I have with other bloggers with with aspiring bloggers right it's really important that you know for me this is why I started our blogger mastermind and this year it'll actually be a um, a one-day blogger intensive this summer and so um which is exciting because it's standalone and I'm like oh my gosh I'm totally scared But okay, Um, And, you know, we have this imposter thing, you know, culturally, we end up having this imposter syndrome where we bust our asses and we don't know, like, if we can do it. Right. Or um, like, you know, someone had told me, Marie, you've been in this game for 11 years. There are people who've been blogging for one year now teaching people how to be a blogger. And I'm like, you know what? You're right.
0: Mm-hmm. i know a lot of stuff <laughs> people start teaching how to blog after they've been doing it for a month It's like wow okay
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: now there's there's this there's these whispers in the universe and i think you're you're pretty much telling us that these whispers are wrong people were saying that blogging is dead are you not seeing that are you you're still seeing it thriving and and, and being uh, just as healthy as it was 11 years ago?
1: Blogging isn't dead, how you approach it has died. Okay. So before, back in the day, when it was like you could put any
0: post on Facebook
1: and it would just reach hundreds of thousands of people, that has died. Like now it's learning how to reach your audience and you know, understanding the platforms that are free, that you're using, you know, recognizing that the importance of building your own list. So it's just highlighting. And here's the fun part. So, yes, we have the rise of Instagram. But Instagram is playing around with their algorithms. You know, while brands and people are putting all their eggs in the basket, SEO is still dominant, right? Mm -hmm. You don't own Instagram. You don't own Facebook. You don't own Twitter. So if if they decide to wake up one day and be like, "Mm, we're closing your page, what are you going to do? Exactly. What are you going to do? I've had, you know, different bloggers who are like, oh, my God, they shut down my page. I'm like, girl, where's your site? Like, send it, like, huh? Or, oh, my God, yeah, I haven't used that. I haven't updated it. Like, girl, like, Google has been, like, really changing the game, like, and even just how you approach content. And so, at the end of the day, when folks start going to Twitter or start going to Google to find something, that's still where we go.
2: Yep.
1: So, at the end of the day, like, and then your newsletter is the only thing you own outside of your domain. It's the only thing you own. Like, you're renting space for free on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. So, blogging isn't dead. It's just how you approach it. And your your approaches to social media has changed.
0: It, it sounds like we have to take more ownership over it than just, oh, uh, exactly. here are these sites that are handed to us. Let's just jump on those. I always exactly say, if you don't have an email list, if you don't have something to go directly to someone with, you know, at any time, it could be snatched from you at any moment.
1: At any moment.
0: Yeah, at definitely. any moment. So, uh, any for moment. those people that are interested in uh, potentially working with you on uh, the blogging side, on the retail side, looking for a consultant, someone who wants to potentially be a strategic partnership uh, in the beauty space. What are some different uh, things that you're looking uh, for as far as strategic partnerships and how can people uh, reach out to you to do that?
1: Well, so you can always in- email us at info at the Kirby Fashionista. Um, you can follow us on the Curvy Fashionista on Instagram, on Facebook, um, on Twitter. I'm Marie Dene, and, and then our Curvy t- Fashionista Twitter is TCF Style. Um, the Kirby Fashionista was too long for Twitter, so whatever. (laughs) Um, but, uh, with that being said, it's important that, um, you know, you, if you reach out to, not just to myself, but to anyone that you have an idea or that you have a game plan or you have a thought process. So that way we can kind of then further kind of help understand what you're looking for and how to best, uh, achieve that. You know, I have a team, you know, we do, um, we are currently working on, you know, different kind of content, um, strategic content. So, you know, it's not just about me, it's about our community that we're, you know, would be creating content. So, you know, if you have a brand and you're wanting to reach the plus consumer, holler at your girl. Um, and then what was the other? Oh, if you're a blogger or if you're a budding blogger and you're trying to learn more, I have my Marie Denae platform. My com, my mariedenae facebook instagram twitter and that's where you know i kind i even have a special group you know the business side of blogging with mariedenae on facebook where i just talk about random things in the in the blogging space and um this summer as i mentioned we will be having a blogger intensive a
0: one-day blogger intensive and where's that going to be again
1: this will be in atlanta
0: okay okay so if somebody wants to, to potentially work with you, you said they should have an idea, have a plan. So just coming to you saying, hey, I'm here, that's not going to cut it. You have to have something beyond that, right? hmm I mean, at
1: least have, you know, hey, I'm launching X, right? Right. You know, I'm trying to talk. Understanding that, you know, trading for clothes is not always going to be the best thing to do, especially if you're mm-hmm. wanting – actionable and substantive, um, advice and support. Um, and, and even, um, now like I'm doing like blogger consulting, right. Where you can get me for an hour, you can book an hour out and we can talk and you can ask all your questions. Um, and so it's really about, you know, you can reach out and say hi and introduce yourself. Like, that's great. Like for me, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it's about, knowing what you want because I can't decide that for you what
0: about uh plus size models have have you had an opportunity to work with uh the different plus size models that are out there How's that experience been
1: well for me it's not direct right okay, okay. so that is not my lane <laughs> um like we may hire a model for a fashion show that a brand has had us perform, okay. but when it comes to like the casting i may have someone who has this experience on my team for that gotcha. um it's not my um i will i've gotten many emails many questions around being a plus size model and for me that's not my platform or lane so i may have asked I'll I'll ask different models to share their stories on our platform. You know, like it's not hard to find a model who has a blog or Instagram because they're sharing their stories. They're sharing information. So I would suggest that um, if you are interested in being a model, like source out those models and actually, you know, if they have classes, go to their classes. If they have um, a one day intensive, go to that. If they have a book, buy it you know, and, and invest in that, in that area in that way, because, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, you need to do X, Y, and Z. The only thing that I could tell you is like, what not to do when reaching out to media platforms, <laughs>
2: Right, well, <that's, laughs>
1: you know, like, important. I mean, but, but that's not going to be helpful, right. In the At the end of the day. So right. for me, I will always defer to different platforms and models to follow.
0: Gotcha. Well, Marie, Danae, thank you so much for coming on the Black Equity Podcast. There's a lot of great wisdom you dropped on us. Uh, I think one thank of the you. most important things, you're welcome. One of the most important things um, that I wrote down was taking leaps of faith, uh, know it, own it, and, and breathe it. Uh, jobs aren't loyal. It's a lot of things that stand <laughs> out the audacity of, of, of building a brand. There's so many great uh, pieces of wisdom that you dropped on us. Uh, Is there any final thoughts that you have for our audience uh, before we go today?
1: Um, I think it's really important to, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the call, like, it's really important to find your why. and, And to nourish that. Because in this space, like, you know, everything that glitters on Instagram is not gold. And you can easily, you know, everyone's editing their perfect, you know, it's very intentional what you see. And so be mindful of that and, and really also find your tribe, mm. you know, that crew of folks who help challenge you to be better that just don't say, yes, girl, yes, girl, like that push you and that you push them, you know, so this place, this space in the entrepreneurship game can get really lonely. And if you don't have your tribe, like that could be extremely detrimental.
0: So you're gonna cause a whole new episode. So hold on now. <laughs> so fine so when you're saying find your tribe. This is important. I want people to hear this. It shouldn't just be a group of people that are just saying, yeah, that's good and doesn't necessarily push you. To you, I guess everybody's tribe's different. To you, the type of tribe that you would want is people that are going to challenge ideas in a healthy way and make sure that you're being better and better each day. Am I understanding that correctly?
1: I mean, it varies, right? So, I mean, you know, if you're if you're in your tribe as other entrepreneurs, like, you know, you when you're experiencing something, you can't go to your mom and be like, "Oh my god, mom, you know, this this um, invoice is late, and they're supposed to get, and you know, it's on a thirty day or a sixty day, and I'm, you know, they may not understand that, but right. like your tribe, your fellow fellow entrepreneur may be like, "Oh, girl, take that invoice and go get it factored," right? And I'm and I'm like, what? You know what I'm saying? So you shouldn't be the smartest person in the room. And that's where your tribe comes in, you know? Like, your tribe may be, you know, a designer. And then and your other, you know, another tribe member may be, like, a hair care um, business owner. And, you know, someone else. You know, so you have, like, these different folks in your tribe that know you and you know them. And it's not so much that you're taking from them, but that it is a mutual support. And so, you know, even when you need to vent or ask questions or even if you need to be challenged and be like, okay, I'm just, I just, I can't do this no more. And they're like, girl, cry that shit out (laughs) and keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, and then there's the people who just show up sometimes when you just need a, a friend just to give a hug to. Like, so your tribe is really about like really to help push and help bring out the best of your, in yourself and for your business. And that can look like a lot of different things to a, and in a lot of different ways.
0: Well, we welcome you to the Black Equity Network <laughs> Tribe. And we're excited hey, uh, to that you join our platform today. And just know the doors are open for you to come back uh, in the future if you want to continue the conversation. If there's a new initiative, if there's something you want to release uh, to our audience, we would love to have you back. Uh, To continue the conversation. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for coming on the Black Equity Podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon. We are truly grateful for today's guest. If you are interested in becoming an approved Black Equity strategic partner with this company or one in the past, simply send us an interest inquiry to the following email, djm at com. Once again, djm at com. Let us know your name, your company, your services, and which guests you are interested in partnering with. As an approved partner, you will have exclusive access to our network and have first opportunity at future partnerships as well. Thank you for tuning in and be sure to join us on the next episode of the Black Equity Podcast. Now, I know a lot of our listeners have been tuning in each week to hear what my take is on my journey through MyMPU.org. And on this week, uh, I want to talk about uh, Module 5. Altogether, there are six modules, and I've taken you through the first four, and now we find ourselves into Module 5, which is, to me, the game-changer. The reason why Module 5 is a game changer for federal contracts is because we now are being given to and pointed out a system where we can actually find all the data that is going on with federal contracts and utilize that data to our advantage. There's a system in place that attracts all the data of all the federal contracts, all the different companies that are working within those federal contracts. And we have access to that data now. Data is so key to have a competitive advantage. Data is key for a competitive advantage. And with this tool, FedMind, you are able to really dive deep into what's going on behind the scenes or really right in front of your face with federal contracts. You get to see who's winning what awards, what awards are expiring, what type of contracts are out there, what type of industries are performing at the highest, how much money is involved. And we're talking about billions and billions of billions of dollars that are being allocated towards certain industries and millions and millions of dollars that are being awarded to certain uh, organizations and companies. And now that we have access to this information mixed with all the other information from the previous mod- modules, it gives us that much more leverage. And so the people inside of uh, the course of MyMPU.org, we've been getting together with our strategic uh, meetings and, and just having our follow-up conversations, truly excited about the information that it is uh, behind the scenes. Because when you first get a lot of this data, you're thinking, okay, I mean, I'm interested in federal contracts, I'm interested in acquiring, but how am I going to sort through all the data that is out there? Well, in this module, what what, what happens is uh, Walter Cotton III breaks down how we're going to get access to this platform. We've received the access, and many of the people within the group are now using uh this platform, this this program, to be able to get an inside look of what's going on. Now the key is going through all the modules, learning all the information, putting it all together so then you know what to do with that data. See, knowing knowing the information is one thing, being able to apply it is true wisdom. So if it's something you're interested in, make sure you send us a message over on Instagram at Black Equity Network. And let's get you enrolled into learning about federal contracts. I want to see more people uh, get into this space, but you have to take that leap now so you can learn about this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Things like this are not going to come around often. And so if you are interested, now's the time to take that leap. Contact us. We'll be in touch, and let's get you a part of this world. Thank you for all those who have listened to this episode today and waited for this review of Module 5 of MyMPU.org. Thank you, Walter Cotton III, for granting us access, and we'll be back next week as we talk about Module 6. If you are a Black-owned business or an investor and you would like to advertise on our show, Go ahead and send us a message at djm at djmoutry.com. Now, back to the show.